Welcome back <laughs> to another professional opening of Loathsome Things, a horror movie podcast. My name is John, and I am one of the two hosts, which means that with me on this fine, fine, frigid morning uh, <laughs> is my co-host, Josh. Josh? Josh? Oh. How's, sorry, how's it going? Hello, loathsome fans. Uh, it's going quite well, John. I love the fact that since we don't have intro music, yeah. they're going to hit play and hear that. <laughs> I always and, love that we just jump right in with being uncomfortable. Yeah, just straight into the unpleasantness. <laughs> Three, two, one, and I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> How very loathsome of us. <laughs> Wow, so we are, it's a new year. And a new us. A new us, we've we've made it through 2021 somehow, mm-hmm. um, and we are back for another year of horror goodness, yep. or badness. Um, as, horror, horror various. Yeah, another year of horror various. Yeah, Stradivarius's more horror movie brother. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What a good joke, Josh. Oh, man, we're off to a great start. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, speaking of horror movies, Josh, yeah. what what horror movie are we going to be discussing uh, the, on this fine day? This fine day, we will be discussing William Asher's Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker, which was also then later re-released under the title Night Warning, which somehow made less sense than the original title, which didn't super make a lot of sense. <laughs> it was also called Nightmare Maker, uh, oh. briefly. Okay. And, and that was how it was released in England, but was immediately labeled uh, a video nasty. It was one oh. of the first British video nasties, uh, which if, if you watch the movie Censor, you can see a little bit about the world of video nasties. I could see this being a video nasty. It's kind of nasty. It's fairly nasty. Uh, Not as nasty as the movie that the fake movie that they are kind of watching in the movie censor, but still, you know, nasty on its own. Yeah, they do a really nasty thing with milk in this movie. (laughs) They do. It's like, ooh, wow. (laughs) It was resubmitted in 1987 to the British Board of Film Classification under the title The Evil Protégé. Oh, God. Why? and was forthwith still banned. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I don't uh, know why. That's really bad. And so yeah, they're just like, all right, what if we gave it a title that had nothing to do with it? No one will be reminded of the movie via this title. <laughs> the evil protege. <laughs> so, so pretentious. Yeah, it's nothing to do with this. It even has a fucking accent in it. <laughs> <laughs> the protege. Protege. <laughs> so, William Asher. Who's William Asher? Well, I'm glad you asked, John. William Asher is <laughs> primarily a TV director. He directed 131 episodes of Bewitched and 102 episodes of I Love Lucy, both of them most of the show. Wow. Yes, he also directed a single episode of The Twilight Zone. I looked it up and I was like, hmm, that's not one that I remember. <laughs> <laughs> 
he directed a single forgettable episode of The Twilight Zone. Yeah, uh, he also directed movies back in the day, including such hits as Beach Party, Muscle Beach Party, Bikini Beach, Beach Bank, <laughs> Beach Blanket Bingo, and How to Stuff a Wild Bikini. Oddly, oddly, some of those are kind of the the beach genre classics. Yeah. Yeah, and then somehow he ended up making this movie. <laughs> Somebody said, let's adapt a novel in which the characters were actually relatively well fleshed out, apparently. And mm. let's adapt that and make a extremely problematic horror Oof. film. <laughs> oh, man, is it ever. But also kind of progressive. Like, it's yeah. problematically progressive and interesting and possibly not super greatly directed but definitely greatly written yeah and it, it does feature uh, centers around an amazing performance by oh uh, god susan tyrell yep fantastic as aunt cheryl roberts plus one she is amazing also, I gotta say, Bo Svensson in here uh, uh, kicked a lot of ass. You you don't like watching him anytime he's on the screen. You're like, ooh, I don't like this. But he he really delivers on the goods that needed to be delivered on in this movie. Yeah, he did a great job of playing a detestable, uh, gigantic police sheriff. Yeah, with with really bad taste in uh, office decor. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> Calm down, Wyatt Earp. <laughs> Bo Svensson, by the way, uh, was born in Sweden. Oh, I couldn't tell by the name. I know. <laughs> and he was uh, apparently, and then his dad moved the family to the U.S. And he grew up for quite a while in, in Georgia, where he kind of picked up. He didn't, apparently he learned how to use that accent. It's not something that he actually, you know, naturally had. Oh, wow. Just he... worked for him in movies. Nice. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Pretty impressive. Yeah, he's he he does a great job in this. I don't know if I've ever seen him in anything else. Oh, I've seen him. I mean, he was one of those character actors that showed up in a lot of seventies things or eighties things, I guess. And uh, so I recognized him, but I couldn't I couldn't think of where. Part of the problem was that he looks like uh, Jerry What's His Nuts from Convoy, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> country singer. <laughs> oh yes, yeah, yeah. He does put off that vibe <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Susan Tyrell apparently logged some time. Speaking of protégés, she was one of the Warhol folk, apparently. Oh, part of that entourage? Yes, she's she kind of had a uh, reputation for being quirky, which, you know, isn't hard to, to gather from watching this movie. No. Oh, my God. All the face stuff. Yeah. Yeah. She lost uh, the lower part of both of her legs later in life. Oh she lived in, in Austin, Texas. She had like some thrombosis issue or something some circulatory issue and uh she so i found a picture of her when she was probably in her 70s or so she died a few years back but uh she's like in a wheelchair and she has these fake legs but they're the kind that are like designed with like tattoo type illustrations and stuff on them always cool her hair's all crazy and like she just she looks like a character out of a movie basically and that's the way she conducted herself in real life which is awesome yeah yeah i can't imagine like going over to this lady's house and her just being like boring no 
No, she's I, a she definitely chews up the scenery. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I could imagine going to her house and being maybe a little afraid, but not yeah. bored. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's she's a little too good at playing the crazy lady. Oh man, she was made for this role. She's fantastic. Yeah. The the movie also has uh, Jimmy McNichol. Jimmy McNichol. Brother of Christy McNichol, who, if you're old like me, you remember her from the 70s and 80s. She was kind of one of those teen stars that everybody loved. And then later it came out that she was a lesbian. So that was what probably killed her career. Whoops. Because they didn't want to, you know, can't have that. Yeah, that that just ruins the whole thing. (laughs) But this was our brother. He was pretty popular around the time, too. They were both in all the teen magazines and stuff. They had originally considered, uh, oh, the, well, I was going to say the film also features Bill Paxton. Yeah, yeah. yeah. William Paxton. <laughs> yeah, that's right. William, he's credited that way, isn't he? Yeah, he's credited as William Paxton. This is before he'd landed on Bill Paxton and before he had temporarily landed on Wild Bill Paxton. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Apparently they had considered him uh, for the lead role uh, the director really liked him, I think it was, but the yeah. producers wanted to go with McDickle because he was already an established star. Yeah, and he's got better nipples. He does. He his he really does have wonderful nipples. Yes, which we will be seeing a lot of in this movie. It's a nipply movie to be it's, to be sure. It's quite nipplesome. There's 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 yeah, a lot of breasts are bared. <laughs> a lot of breasts. It's very breasty. Yeah, sometimes bloody. Yeah, it can it can be. Uh, considerably bloody at times yeah uh there's also in here steve easton as coach landers a a actor that you might have seen in other things and a character that you're like oh this guy's gonna not be important and then he is <laughs> yeah exactly and then that the other cop the uh the the like goofy sidekick cop who's another character actor that you see in everything yeah I don't forget that guy's name. It I doesn't matter. <laughs> but yeah, he was another character where like you, you, the first time you see him, you're like, oh, okay, that guy doesn't matter. And then he just keeps showing up. He keeps showing up in a Colonel Sanders tie. Yeah. And just kind of being real creepy. <laughs> oh, hello, bro. Let me, let me ambush you from behind this tree. Yeah, there's a, yeah, there's a lot of creepy in this movie. Oh, man, is there? Uh, also, I wanted to mention there's some bit part guy in here named Randy Norton, and he and Susan Tyrell would go on to work together in the Ralph Bakshi and Frank Frazetta film Fire and Dice. That's really cool. Yeah, what a cool connection, <laughs> man. Originally, they were gonna. Apparently, they were going to. Uh, they wanted to use Patty Duke for the role of of uh, Aunt. And Cheryl, but uh, for whatever reason, they went ahead and went with someone who was perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of like a good one. Like, what if they had been like, um, uh, all right. So, so the movie uh, Misery. Yeah. So what if? What if instead of Kathy Bates, they had done uh, 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 what's her name? Suzanne? Is that what it's called? Roseanne. Oh, Susan. Oh, Roseanne. Yeah. yeah, like, what if they're like, all right, no Kathy Bates, we're going to go with Roseanne Barr instead. And then they're like, you know what? We're not going to do Roseanne Barr. We're going to do Kathy Bates. And then it is just perfect. Roseanne Barr. Yeah. cock a <laughs> Worst movie ever made. <laughs> so bad. James Caan and Roseanne Barr. <laughs> 
<laughs> no one's horrified by the foot. They're just horrified. <laughs> Remember when he was hobbled? What? What? Oh, no. I was just cringing and folding back into my seat by the line deliveries. What if she went on to also make that movie uh, about elderly people with Jack Nicholson, where Kathy Bates gets naked in the hot tub, but it was Roseanne? Just, I'm just fleshing this out. What other movies could we replace an actor with Roseanne? Um, let's see. What about, how about Jurassic Park, but instead of Jeff Goldblum, it's Roseanne Barr. Remember the famous scene? Go faster! Where she's standing by the immense pile of T-Rex dung. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Flirting with Laura Dern. I would go see that movie right now. Yes, please make this movie. <laughs> but then forget to pay Roseanne Barr. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and then fire her because she says, yes. well, no, I was going to say says something homophobic, but in this case, she'd fit right in. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Man, she'd be great in this movie as Julia, as played by Julia Duffy. Oh, Julia Duffy, who was 30 when this movie was made. Yeah, yeah. She was just a, a little bit like a whole decade older than Jimmy McNichol. Isn't that crazy? She really actually looks like she could have been a high school student. Yep. but He uh, doesn't, though. No, no, but man, about can wear some red pants. <laughs> Yes, he, he certainly can. And there is no shortage of shirts of not being worn. I don't know what the hell I'm saying. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, we get we get lots of he plays basketball. And so because because things have to be as comfortable as uncomfortable as possible, there's lots of shirts versus skins. And everyone is just wearing the tiniest, tiniest little like 1970 shorts. <laughs> It's really creepy. Yeah, just standing around wearing almost nothing and saying homophobic things to each other. Fantastic. And, oh yeah, that, which I guess brings us to that. We we uh, we definitely want to put a trigger warning on this one. Yes, for a number of reasons. Uh, potential incest. Uh, wow, just gave the game away. Yeah. yeah. Spoiler alert. Uh, spoiler Let's alert, see. lots of homophobia. Yeah, lots of homophobia, including the word, I'm going to say it now. I'm sorry, you guys. I'm, it, they use the word fag in this movie, and it is used to artistic uh, effect. So it gets bandied about quite a bit. Um, there's also a false rape accusation, which, yikes. Yeah, it's uh, so it, it definitely has um, some of the trigger warning issues that pop up in tons of 70s and 80s movies. It, oh, this yeah. one's certainly no different. If, if anything, it's more intensely so than some of these. Yeah. yeah Except maybe it, Spider Baby. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I feel like with this one, it's more front and center as like part of the plot, whereas with Spider Baby, it was just kind of like, oh, and also one of these. Yeah. And also this guy's the R word. That's normal. Yeah. Everyone says it. Yeah. No commentary there. <laughs> what was the deal back then? Like, so so we've got this movie and, and like Spider Baby. Like, could they just not choose a name for a movie in the day? Yeah, I don't know what the deal is with that. It it, it was just a thing, I guess, where 
for some reason at that time, it was perfectly acceptable for people to go, hmm, Butcher Baker, Nightmare Maker. Ah, no, no, I'm going to go with uh, Mother's Dead, (laughs) which apparently was another one of the titles they were thinking about using. What? (laughs) It's ridiculous. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And then the British were like, nah, I, I think we're going to go with the evil protege. Protege. <laughs> we're so close to France already. I don't want to ban it if it's called Nightmare Maker. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Has anybody seen my cocaine? <laughs> my cocaine. <laughs> It's like a little tin. I've got like a little. It's got like white powder in it. It's me. It's me cocaine. Wow. We're so good at this. This is really bad. (laughs) Before we go into the full-blown spoilers of this movie, do you think that the nice folks at home that are still listening to (laughs) it? Go ahead and uh, just keep listening through to all the spoilers, or should they watch the movie first? Absolutely watch the movie first. Yeah. Uh, it, I went into it, I kind of had a pretty good idea of what was going to happen, the, at least the first time I watched it. Of course, the, obviously the second time I knew exactly what was going to happen. But, oh, that's um, good. Yeah, but uh, I think it would have been, we. but I think it would have been, uh, it would have been, even more hilarious and probably added to the ridiculousness if I didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. This movie is really good to watch. If you have not read a summary or listened to two guys summarize it, it's uh, it's, it's very surprising. It's a lot of fun to watch. Um, As we've mentioned before, we have, we have a fan of the show that is, is actually not a big fan of horror films. He's just a fan of the show. (laughs) So, for a guy like him, that this movie would probably fall firmly in the don't watch it category because he does, these trigger warning items do make him very uncomfortable. So oh. for oh, him, he likes God. to hear us just kind of riff about it and he's perfectly happy not seeing it. If you, if you're, if you fall in that camp, then uh, yeah. I mean, first of all, clearly there's something severely wrong with you that mm-hmm. you would want to just listen to us blather for no reason. Yeah. But it, but if you fall in that camp, don't watch it. Yeah. Yeah, this one this one is troublesome, but if you are like super into horror movies and you're super into the obscure horror movies and especially if you're really 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 into transgressive horror, yeah. This is this is like striking gold. It's kind of awesome. Yeah, it's I mean it's become a bit of a cult classic and I think it's well deserved. I mean, you could make that argument for a number of reasons, if only for Susan Tyrell's performance, which is, I mean, she's just, she really is just great to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Every, every time it like went away from her, I was like, Oh no. And then it would come back and it's just, you're so (laughs) excited to see her because you know, something's going to happen and it's going to be great. (laughs) I mean, to be fair, I was, I was incredibly impressed with the neighbor woman's hair. But it wasn't enough to sustain a movie. No, no. It, it was really just the, the minor entertainment of the hair-to-face ratio being all wrong. <laughs> the, the, the Trumpish quality of her wave. Yep. <laughs> the amber wave of grain. Oh, shit. 
So go, in, unless you don't want to, go watch this movie. You can find it some places. I don't know. And uh, and then come back and listen to us uh, talk about all of it. Yeah, it's not hard to find, including um, some places that are free. Hey, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, shall we dig into it? Let's dig in, sir. You you begin uh, with we. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna begin. We movie opens with a horrible child's parents driving driving away, and yeah, he really is a horrible child. Horrible child, uh, leaving him in the care of his aunt, who you immediately get the impression she's a little too eager to uh, to watch him as they go on their trip that they'll soon be returning from. Uh, on their trip, they realize very quickly that the brakes don't work in their car. And of course, the way that they resolve this problem is by driving really fast on a uh, on a very, very hazardous looking cliffside. It's <laughs> just weaving and just going all over the place. Narrowly avoiding death a dozen times while just speeding up. Like never, never once considering maybe going into the wall on the side or just something that might slow the car down. Nope, nope. They want to preserve the car's exterior. No collision <laughs> repair. No, no, no. This is the 70s, 80s era, and we're in a movie, so it's very important that we speed off a cliff and explode. Like all fucking 70s movies with cliffs in them. I love that the explosion happens like way later. Like they they land on the ground and then it's like 20 seconds later, there's not been any fire and just all of a sudden also kaboom. This whole scene is brilliant. Like they're just they're just going faster and faster, panicking. And then, of course, they come up on a logging truck. Yeah, with that one long log. The one long log with that red flag that never does anything. Nope. <laughs> Except signal exactly where the, that pole will be going. <laughs> right through the windshield in Dad's face. Yep. Toro. Man, that was pretty good the way his, his head just gets like, forced back as the log oh. goes through the car. Oh, it was it was real good. Yeah, straight out of... Okay, so this is before Beyond the Door 3, where yeah. a similar thing happened, and way, of course, before Final Destination, where this stuff happened. Just great. I, I love that we've been accidentally finding these, <laughs> these pull-through-the-windshield movies. I love it. <laughs> it really is a wonderful little element. <laughs> yes. Let's see if we can find another one even older than this. It's so great. So the pole goes through the car, and then the, the car is now basically like hooked onto the truck because there's a pole going through the top of it. Yep. And it's just dragging, like whipping the car around on the road and stuff. Yep. Yep. Back and forth. It would be very hard for the trucker to not see that in his side view mirrors. But does he stop? Uh, no. No. And then, then the, the entire thing, the log and the car, <laughs> detach from the truck and go whipping over the side of a cliff. Yep. Yeah, with lots of screaming. So many screaming. Yes. <laughs> just like, okay. And then it, it just... Ah! And then you just look at the car, and then there's a massive explosion. Yeah, yeah. You, you really get to like see the crunch of it for a long time. Like, it, it does a little crunch at the bottom. You're like, oh, wow. it That, that looks severe. And then... <laughs> I love that when they do that because 
it's it's not like it's not like the lady survived. I mean, oh no! <laughs> it's, it's, I don't think you needed to really like make it go splody for her to for you to be convinced that she wasn't going to make it. You know, like, well, we already ruined the car. <laughs> so so that happened. Yeah, and then we we cut to fourteen years later, mm-hmm. and Billy is now basically a grown grown ass man who's technically supposed to be in high school, yeah. who sleeps um, half naked. Yeah. And uh, he's grown up under the tender care of his intense aunt Cheryl, who is the exact same age she was when they handed him off. <laughs> she just has a slightly different haircut. <laughs> 14 years later, which, by the way, is a wig. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> because of the, the hair thing that happens later was was actually her hair. Oh, my God. Terrifying. I knew a lady that looked exactly like her <sighs> at the end of this movie. And I was just like, oh, no. <laughs> One of the few women that looks better in a wig than her actual hair. <laughs> so she she cr- she climbs on top of him to wake him up, mm. and it's like straddling him on his back and cat purring into his ear mm. while, while clawing at his shoulders. <laughs> Billy, it's so disgusting. Oh, it's so uncomfortable. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's going to be one of these movies. Oh, no. <laughs> and boy, is it. Does it ever. Yeah. So so we then we we, cue, we cut to uh, a scene where uh, Billy's at basketball practice and he is uh, he's he's this he's on the skins side and he's playing against his apparent arch nemesis on the team played by a one William Paxton. Yeah. Who is. Uh, extremely homophobic and a total douche. Oh man, ever so much. But also at the practice is Billy's wonderful girlfriend, Julie, who is taking some wonderful photographs of the ball blurring through the air and bricking against the rim. And uh, Billy, part of his arm may be blurring through the screen. Yeah. She's, I think she's got a bright history in photography. A bright history indeed. <laughs> It's ridiculous. I really like that also, like, part of it is it, it the, the camera switches to, like, her shutter view with all of the, like, the blackout and then the still frame for a second. For no reason. It never comes back. It never comes back. She's a terrible photographer. Yeah. <laughs> it's just some thing they put in there. Maybe it was in the book or something. I don't know. Maybe. There, there's lots of weird stuff in this. Because um, uh, then before even before even all this, he gets on his, like, bicycle or whatever and as he's leaving there's like weird little like happy music for a second like like really crappy sitcom happy music (laughs) and it's just there for a second and then it goes away it's like they're trying to set a mood i don't know what that mood is yeah but they're trying to set it (laughs) it's almost like they fired the first director and then this guy was here too (laughs) it's ridiculous so the the practice ends it's there's some some radically homophobic exchange i believe with him and and william paxton's character and uh and then the coach coach landers uh wants to have a talk with billy hey billy why don't you come back to my office i got something i want to talk about Mm -hmm. so we never hear any of the conversation we don't see any of it it's just implied that they're together in the office for a really long time yes like a, a uh uh like suspiciously long time like people are commenting on how long they're in the office together 
Yeah, because isn't, isn't Julie irritated that he'd been in there so long or something like that? Well, yeah, she did, it seems, wait around for him to finish his meeting with Coach Landers, and she's just, like, hanging out in the school hallway alone, just her and a camera and nothing to do. <laughs> Great. Yes. <laughs> so he goes home and very excitedly... Because apparently, even though he's lived with his Aunt Cheryl for 14 years, he hasn't figured out that she's a complete fucking creep yet. Nope. <laughs> so he's very excited. Aunt Cheryl, I, gotta get, get a, I can get a full athletic scholarship to the University of Denver. And yeah. she's not happy. No. She's like, and he's shocked as if he wouldn't know that she was going to react this way. Yeah, yeah. She's so not happy that she stops making his favorite spaghetti. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Make it yourself. Yeah. She's like, it's your favorite. Because <laughs> Roseanne she, Barr. Yeah. That's exactly, that's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> and then she slaps the hell out of him. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and it's like wanders off all defeated with a tray of pickled things. Yeah. She has pickled things like uh, uh, pig's feet even and yeah. more normal stuff. Eggs and. I don't know, they look like tomatoes or red peppers or something. Yeah. And she just like, just <laughs> like wanders off. And she also does that thing that the lady did in, um, oh God, that old lady in the movie about the fungus that we did where she talks to herself all the time. <laughs> oh, John, which movie about the fungus? <laughs> I know it's all of them. <laughs> with the, uh, the, with the couple, the oh, honeydew. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but Aunt Cheryl's something. Yeah, Aunt Cheryl's saying something, but I just can't make out what it is. But she's she's kind of dejected going to her she goes into this shed where she takes her, her pickled stuff and it is it's uh it's like the Friday the thirteenth shed mm-hmm. <laughs> where mama mama is kept. Yes, it is. It's exactly <laughs> like that. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> I was like, wow, I think I've seen this shed before. <laughs> It is, as you say, a gross, drippy shed. Yes. You can hear dripping. It just looks not good. I don't want to eat pickles out of there. It's not It's not okay. It's like where they keep their, their sump pump or something. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, sump pump. I don't know what's going on in there. But she decides that she's going to... She, she's going to have this... She's going to hatch a scheme where she's going to make Billy realize how much he needs her. Um, yep. Because... Billy is just, he's just young, you know, he doesn't get it yet that his, his aunt is his ticket to joy. Yeah. And then, then the next morning, everything's fine. And she's excited and tells him that it's going to be good that he goes to college. Yeah. She's made him like a nice breakfast. And he's like, well, what about last night? (laughs) It's like all is forgotten. Yeah. And so he could just, he could just go back about his business. And uh, apparently... There's a TV repairman's going to be coming around today to fix that darn TV that just don't work. The damn TV. Gosh darn it. How am I supposed to watch my Bewitched reruns? <laughs> um, so the rep- TV repairman shows up and um, Aunt Cheryl tries to seduce him. Um, but he's not interested, even though her boobs are out and... Uh, she gets more and more desperate about it, and then he unbuckles his pants and tells her to work on it, and that makes her angry. So, you know, whenever you are a 
boobs out angry horny lady and someone just told you to work on it what are you gonna do but pull out a convenient knife and stab him over and over again all the way to death <laughs> in weird like weird stop stop motion slow-mo yeah. style yeah very very intense like with the the slashing of the neck and then like in the back a bunch of times just just chopping them up yeah she's not hesitant no but we see that uh billy happens to be watching all of this in the window like a little perv and uh he <laughs> sees the whole thing happen or maybe he just sees the tail end of it happen and whenever he comes inside aunt cheryl is bloody boobed and <laughs> she tells him you saw him he tried to rape me <laughs> yikes Ooh. <laughs> you saw him i stabbed him repeatedly yeah oh man this is uh at this point that's whenever i texted you john and i was like oh no this movie <laughs> <laughs> this movie has some issues oh no and i i had no idea what was to come <laughs> <laughs> it just uh, sounded like a fun kind of 70s uh cult classic yeah. <laughs> so and so she's covered in his blood. She's she is still unrobed toppedly, uh, like covering herself a little bit with her hands and getting blood all over Billy. And then the neighbors show up because they're, I don't know, coming over for dinner or something. Yeah, and, it's not really clear, is it? Yeah. And uh, uh, the the neighbor lady is wearing a, a white blouse or whatever and aunt cheryl just goes in for hugsies and just gets blood all over her. <laughs> oh hi yeah. he tried to rape me yeah she tells the story again and then all of a sudden the police are there and uh instead of separating everyone from the scene uh the police are just there in the room with the dead body and the people that killed him and witnessed it and everything and um, just loudly declare that they don't believe the rape story. And quote, here's a quote from the movie, quote, poor guy didn't even get his pecker out. Ooh, <laughs> poor guy didn't even get his pecker out. Oh, my God. <laughs> Thank you, Bo Swenson, you homophobic oh. Swede. Wow. <laughs> also, who called the fucking police? Did they I call the police? I guess they called the police. I don't I know. The so. police are real good at showing up in this movie. <laughs> yeah, they're they're oddly intuitive at times and oddly uh, not so oddly completely incompetent the rest of the time. Oh yeah, you like there there's a particular police officer that just knows which tree to hide behind, which shed to show up in in the middle of the night for no good reason. <laughs> Amazing these police. These <laughs> these these are well-trained cops. <laughs> Uh, during all of this, Aunt Cheryl and Billy um, are just there listening to them say these horrible things along with their neighbors who don't seem like as cool or into it about stuff. Uh, Detective Joe Carlson aggressively questions Billy. He thinks it's actually Billy that killed the guy and that Aunt Cheryl is covering for him. Yay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. Detective Joe Carlson is wearing like, what is that? Is that like a corduroy jacket? And, uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, lots of lo always, always doing stuff with like his thumbs and the the belt around his pants. You know, like hitching them up, sticking his thumbs back in there. Just, just lots of lots of belt stuff. 
Lots of thumb work. Yeah, you know the kind of guy I'm talking about. <laughs> Detective Joe Carlson. Oh, God. Uh, the next day, mm. Billy sneaks into the attic there. He finds uh, a box that he thinks is interesting and then falls down the stairs. With it. <laughs> the attic he was just specifically told not to go into. Yeah, yeah, it's like the the forbidden attic or whatever, and his aunt Cheryl is like enroning documents uh, into the <laughs> fireplace, and he was like, "Well, maybe now's the time to go into the afore to unmentioned forbidden attic." <laughs> oh, what's this? Fall? Oh, what's this? A box full of documents and photographs. Bonk. <laughs> Perhaps I shall fall all the way down the attic thing, still holding the box. <laughs> Uh, it's a strange scene, but it's cool, I guess. It's a stunt. Um, yeah. And then that he did. Out? Yeah. Oh, wait, what? Yeah, he did. I mean, that was actually Jimmy McNichol falling down that attic stairway, by the way. Oh, wow. He, wow. Okay. He did. Yeah, I was like, run. damn, you go, nice. nipples. Yeah, I guess that's why they gave him the big cushiony box to fall with. <laughs> you go, Nipsey McNichol. <laughs> Jimmy McNipples. <laughs> The easy joke. There it is, folks. <laughs> Wee, I completely overlooked it. Whoa. <laughs> Jimmy McNipples. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, I'm done. Yeah, there we go. All right. So he tumbles to the ground with the box and a photograph of some dude pops out of the box. Um, we see that devil horns have been drawn on some dude. Aunt Cheryl says it's just some dude his mom used to date. End of scene. That's <laughs> yeah, weird. Like, okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Back at school, Detective Carlson confronts Coach Landers about being the gay lover of the dead TV repairman. Oh, shit. Okay. How does he figure that one out? Do you remember how, where that came from? They have uh, wedding rings with their initials in them. And who else could possibly have those initials but CL Coach Landers? <laughs> Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and he's like, I bet if I look at your wedding ring, I'm going to see TV repairman's initials on them. <laughs> T-G-R-P-R-M-N. <laughs> How did you know? <laughs> so at this point, Detective Garlson gives, uh, gives Coach Landers some sound advice, which is, quote, I suggest you resign. If you don't, chances are you're going to get yourself lynched. Yikes! <laughs> yes. Thank you, Detective Carlson, you douchebag. Whoa! <laughs> That's just really intense real quick. Also, it's weird because Billy's last name is Lynch, and I don't think they did that on purpose. Oh, that's right. Yeah, but, yeah. uh, yikes. Yeah, yeah, this movie, this movie is intense. It really is. And <laughs> uncomfortable. But, uh... After that happens, we head back to uh, Aunt Cheryl's drippy shed, which that's not innuendo for anything. Nope. Um, she she goes into her weird Amontillado chamber to visit a little <laughs> shrine to the dude in the photo from earlier. It turns out that he did. She didn't want to kill the TV repairman at all, but she wanted to like just convince Billy that. That was something? I don't know. It's not very clear. Yeah, that she needs a man, so maybe Billy will step in. 
I did, yeah. I mean, yeah. A, a girl's got needs. Yeah, that's true. That that yeah. <laughs> Woo. But uh, then whenever he hurt her feelings, um, you know, just like the dude she's talking to in the shrine, apparently she says that you know he hurt my feelings the way that you did, so of course he had to get McStabbed. <laughs> Correct. I'll have the McStabby meal. Yes, please double the stab. The nine stab meal, please. Yes. <laughs> so then we go back to uh, uh, the the interplay between uh, young William Paxton and Billy, and uh, it's another wonderful scene where uh, Paxton is like accusing Billy of being gay with Coach Landers. Uh, he's a total fag and you know, yeah. everybody knows it. And so they have to, they have to have a little fight yeah, and it's, it's completely, it's so ridiculously choreographed. Yes. <laughs> I love the part where McNipples like jumps off of something like, like Superman jumps onto Bill Paxton. It's like, what the fuck? Yes. And, and then like afterwards, there's just like a bunch of old people standing around them for no reason. <laughs> There's like just some old lady there. It's like, that's it. We're going to an old folks home and fighting. It's the closest thing we have to a, a campus around here. <laughs> this is this movie is was the moment in my life where I realized that Bill Paxton's, Paxton's mouth is a gigantic line that goes from ear to ear. <laughs> like he, I think he could probably detach his entire lower jaw if he wanted to. <laughs> Game over, man. <laughs> Buttweed. <laughs> so just Paxton. yeah, yes. Rest in packs. <laughs> so later on, because you know, I, I, up until this point, I was a little unclear if maybe Detective Carlson thought that Billy was uh, homosexual. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really sure. So at this scene, he at this point he shows up. <laughs> he shows up and. He, 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 you know, makes it a little bit more clear. Are you a fag, Billy? Billy, are you a fag? But but seriously, Billy, are you a fag? Like, dude. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's at this point that you realize that that's like the centerpiece of his entire investigation. It's like, oh, some guy got murdered by some lady that said he tried to rape her. I believe there might be some homosexuals around. Oh, man, he's really hanging his hat on that. Yeah. He like even he, asked her at the beginning. He questioned her to see, like, she was like, he was like, well, what about your husband, boyfriend? Are you a lesbian? Oh, that guy's, yeah, he's a piece of work, this dude. I mean, what he, a detective. He didn't really, because it was almost as if he didn't, the murder was just secondary to the fact that Billy might be gay. Yep. Because if Billy's gay, then it's case closed. They all need to be executed immediately. Yeah, I mean, these are deviants we're talking about. We can't have this. Because it does, I mean, after all, as he says, it doesn't make sense for a, quote, fag to try and rape Aunt Cheryl. Oh, man. That's not loaded. Oh, oh ouch. Yeah, so he, he basically implies that, he doesn't imply, he just comes right out and tells Billy that, that Billy must have killed the TV repairman because they were having a lover, lover's quarrel. Mm-hmm. And Aunt Cheryl is just trying to cover for him, you know. Because Oof. she's his aunt, um, and then when he leaves, he gives Billy some some basketball advice. He hits a basket, and then he he shows him that when you when you take the shot, you want to make sure that you're 
your wrist goes limp right when you let go of the ball. Oh, you know, man. you know how to do that, don't you, Billy? Oh man, oh yeah. But then Cheryl comes in to to you know talk to Billy and and basically confront him immediately and then ask him if he knows that homosexuals are very very sick. Oh my god, it's so like it just keeps coming. <laughs> <laughs> it's really yeah, it's pretty rough. Oh so, man. So then De- Detective Carlson is still on the case. He goes to visit Julie cuz uh, he's going to get straight dope from her. So he's <laughs> he's talking to Julie and he's like, "Hey, uh, Julie, let me ask you this. Are you and Billy uh you guys making it? Oh. You uh you making it?" in a in a wonderful moment she she just refuses to tell him which i think is awesome yeah yeah she's just not having any of it she is a great character i wish she had a bigger role in this movie sometimes but like whoa yeah she's just like ooh, you suck dude yeah she's just like man go go pound rocks i'm not telling you anything So he basically gets nothing out of her. I mean, she she just refuses to tell him, but, you know, basically tells him he's ridiculous for thinking that Billy's homosexual, but but refuses to tell him anything specific. Yeah. And then um, then now we're with we're with Billy and Julie and they're in bed together and uh, they are uh, apparently in a post coital uh, embrace having a chit chat. It's very nipply. Very nipply, uh, possibly also pre-coital. It's hard to tell. It's hard to tell. And yeah. it, I still, at this point, I was like, is Billy a homosexual? Is that, is that where they're going with this? Are they going to make Carlson like some sort of horrible hero or something? <laughs> I didn't, I really didn't know where they were. Because I thought, well, I, I was afraid that what was going to happen here is she was going to start trying to kiss him. And, you know, like, oh, Billy. I, I want you right now. And then Billy's going to be like, Hey, you know, I, I just don't feel good right now. Yeah. I was afraid it was going there, but now nah, they bone. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like this scene is too, too, it, it's for us because we were starting to worry that Billy might be a homosexual too. And maybe Billy's the bad guy in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Because homosexuals are terrible people. They're, yeah. They should probably, you know, oh, whew, I'm not going to finish. I know. That. You can't even say it. Can nope. you? <laughs> it's really but, bad. Well, yeah, this but, movie that goes ahead and makes sure that we know that he's not a homosexual <laughs> so that we can, you know, move on with the movie. Yeah. We can feel comfortable seeing yeah. the rest of the movie, but thank uh, God. And we get the, 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 uh, snooping, snooping cam shot where somebody's obviously watching them through the window. Yeah. And, good uh, stuff. The, I mean, who could that possibly be? It's it's tough to tell, really. Yeah. But we're at the halfway point, so we're probably going to get around to it. Yeah, maybe figure it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the killer cam. Yes. <laughs> so the, the killer cam uh, approaches them uh, while they're getting it out. Mm-hmm. And guess what, folks? It's Aunt Cheryl. Oh, what a surprise. Oh, shit. And she's angry. <laughs> She's not happy. She she does does not like watching uh, uh, Billy uh, laying it down yeah. <laughs> with Julie, and uh, she confronts him, and uh, she basically is you know telling him never to do that again. She's very upset with him, and clearly she'll never be able to forget. Oh, and also she's sniffing his hair. Yeah, <laughs> it's uncomfortable. Just, 
she's popped in while he's in the shower and he's just like, come on, my dick's out. <laughs> he said, Let me, I'll give you a towel. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's not creepy. Nope. So then she's back in her shrine and, you know, she's she says to the shrine that she's going to she's going to keep Billy here just like she kept the shrine guy here. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She yelled it at, at Julie, made her, you know, get out and feel all shamed. And I like you, you said that she didn't she didn't like watching that happen. But yeah. also she spent like a long time at the window watching it. Happen. <laughs> she watched the whole thing happen. <laughs> I'm really uncomfortable. This is not, I, I just can't. Oh, I, that's just, it's just. <laughs> God, this movie is so intense. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty, pretty amazing. So, so after, after Julie departs in, in, uh, anger and maybe a little bit of, uh, abashedness, uh, she's walking, you know, through the dark yard and the less interesting of the policemen jumps out from behind a tree and asks her about all the sex that she's been having. <laughs> Colonel but, Blanders. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He, he looks like a uh, rejected character from The Office and uh, he's not really interested in the sex that they were having, but whether or not uh, Aunt Cheryl caught them in the dew... Yeah, not interested in the sex because he has no genitals. Oh. <laughs> uh, he finds out that yes, indeed, uh, Aunt Julie—or no, sorry—Aunt uh, Aunt Cheryl did catch them in the dew, and he brings this information to Detective Carlson. He also brings him uh, rumors about Billy's parents. Uh, maybe they died because the car's brakes were sabotaged. <gasps> dun dun. Oh. God and Detective Carlson is like, you're a dumbass. So great, yeah. And there goes that line of yeah. inquiry. Oh, okay, yeah. he's like, don't do this on company time. This is just a hobby you're pursuing. That's right. Yeah. It's like lick the pen, scratch it off the pad. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> then back at the house, we see Aunt Cheryl poison Billy's milk. Uh, <laughs> yeah. She she feeds him the milk on his way to the big basketball game that he is going to. She's like, don't forget to drink your milk. Uh, he then leaves. Basketball court is full of people, including Aunt Cheryl in the stands. I guess they didn't go together. That's fine. <laughs> um, but basketball is then played until Billy collapses on the court and is makes horrible skin skidding noises. <laughs> and is uh, taken home by a very happy Aunt Cheryl. Um, she has made a creepy apartment for him in the Forbidden Attic, and she tells him he that he doesn't want to go back to school because it's full of perverts, and he should stay here so she can teach him things. <laughs> yeah, that was a little that was a little unsettling. That whole line there. The school is full of perverts, so you should stay here so I can teach you things. How very loathsome. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Don't worry, your entire attic room is full of children's toys. Yeah, it's weird. It's full of children's toys, and it's, he already has a room there. And she's like, I thought you could use it up here. It's like a little apartment. It's, it's very strange. <laughs> she even put a curtain in the window. <laughs> 
It's like, wow, you really put a lot of work into this 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 room that was formerly filled with office boxes. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, why why am I here? <laughs> uh, after he builds up enough strength, he goes snooping. He finds a box of her keepsakes and realizes that she lied about the dude in the photo. And then he decides to just immediately confront her, not about the dude in the photo, but about the fact that he now suspects <laughs> that the, her rape accusation was false. <laughs> Billy's sharp, isn't he? Dang, he really, that's some lateral thinking. He just, like, went straight for the movie plot part of the line of inquiry. (laughs) Meanwhile, Detective Carlson is threatening a random suspect with a gun, saying fun things like, Donde es su casa in Mexico? (sighs) Oh, it's so brutal. (laughs) It's so brutal. It's like, oh, good, he's racist, too. Yes. Yeah, his office has, like, all of his uh, his Marine Corps badges and certificates. He's got, what is it, like, horse trophies on the desk? Yeah, like, weird, like, shitty Native American art and horns, like, bull's horns mounted on the wall and stuff. It's yeah. horrible. It's real bad. Yeah. Oof. He pulls out a gigantic gun, like points it in the guy's face. <laughs> the unnecessarily large revolver. <laughs> <laughs> the hand cannon. <sighs> um, bland fellow detective comes in and tells him that Aunt Cheryl dated a guy that just disappeared one day as part of his hobbyist pursuit about Aunt Cheryl. To this, Detective Carlson does not care. <laughs> Just completely dismisses him like he's an idiot. But no, no, I think you'll find that I'm much more interested in convincing this guy that he's from Mexico. Donde es su casa in Mexico. <laughs> what a twat. Oh, is the most twatty. Um, now Aunt Cheryl has cut her hair short and looks terrifying. <laughs> uh, she visits her shrine. Quote, no one's ever going to take Billy from us. We then see a desiccated, headless corpse hanging out in a bed that's in the shrine area that we, we'd never seen that bed or that corpse before. But yes, it is, it is quite Friday the 13th-y. Yeah, it's a pretty, pretty nice little effect there. Yeah, it, it looked real good. And it's, it's so quick that you, like, I paused it, of course, because I wanted to check. But if you're in the movie theater, you're not sure. It's like, wait a minute. Did I? Did that desiccated corpse not have a head? Because it, right. it's just lightning like, fast. It's real good. That Good job on that. Good. You did good, guy. <laughs> Random director I don't remember his name of. Ashlock. <laughs> yeah, Ashlock. Uh, Billy gets Julie to distract Aunt Cheryl while he goes snooping. Because he at this point, he hasn't figured out that he needs to escape. He thinks that he needs to go digging through her jewelry box some more. Um, <laughs> and as you might expect, this plan goes poorly. <laughs> <laughs> Go figure. Yeah. After a great scene of now entirely insane Aunt Cheryl <laughs> mood swinging at Julie about stuff like going from angry to sympathetic to super crying. And all the while she is using a giant wooden meat tenderizer to just <laughs> obliterate a steak. <laughs> yeah. She then takes that said wooden meat tenderizer to the back of Julie's head and splatters her all over the inside of the refrigerator. Yeah, she makes short work of Julie. Yeah, Julie is now dead. But later she'll be alive. It's fine. It's don't worry about it. Yeah. 
Uh, Billy, <laughs> Jesus, it's so weird. Uh, Billy and the neighbor uh, are then in there talking to to Aunt Cheryl, and the refrigerator door is open and coated in blood. But Billy and the neighbor do not notice the blood. It's fine. <laughs> they don't notice the blood that's all over the inside of the refrigerator. Yeah. And it, like they are standing like Aunt Cheryl is between them and the refrigerator. She's not trying to hide it. She hasn't realized it's there. And they're just staring at it, not seeing it. And there's that moment right before she closes the fridge where she sees it. And she's like, oh, no. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just wipe a little bit of this off with the hem of my dress. It's fine. Ooh, what's this? And then also, like, while this is going on, she she's poisoning Billy some more. Yeah. She's to give him more poison milk. Um, he wakes up in his room, not his new apartment, which Aunt Cheryl doesn't want the neighbor to know about. So that's why. So because he passed out with the neighbor around, she had to put him back into his normal bedroom. Mm-hmm. Um, and here, here it is revealed that... <sighs> Aunt Cheryl is actually his mother and uh, the neighbor's in the other room, but she did stick around to overhear this fact. And Billy is like mostly paralyzed and can only make gurgly noises. Yeah. Doesn't she tell the neighbor to look for an umbrella because it might rain or some shit like that? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. There's an umbrella in the closet. Yeah. At this point, she doesn't really care about the neighbor. She's just waiting to get Billy all alone. Mm. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) I like how Billy is like, he's super inquisitive. He's lived with this woman for 14 years. And whenever he gets a chance, he's digging through her shit. But somehow he has not figured out that she has a desiccated corpse in the, in the, the pickling shed yeah yeah he 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 will snoop around in the forbidden attic but will never go into the drippy shed full of gross pickled stuff not once in 14 years Mm -mm. did he ever suspect she might do creepy shit in there yeah no oh what is this a wall sloppily boarded up (laughs) nothing good could be in there (laughs) exactly so yeah so yeah she hears the neighbor hears uh uh and, and cheryl uh, lying about Julie, mm-hmm. and then she she discovers that uh, she finds Julie's stuff in the house, and she's like sneaking around the house while uh, Cheryl force is force feeding Billy basically like all the poison. Yeah, she's put the whole thing in the milk, and she's just basically just pouring it down his throat, forcing him to drink it, and and then at the same time like between <laughs> bits of rage. <laughs> like bouts of rage she also is like has her gentle moments where she's licking the milk off of his neck <laughs> it's so gross it's so nasty so like milk is pooling on his <laughs> neck and she uh, with the sweat and she's just like oh let me get that there with my face oh you're tripping <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Jesus, this lady's amazing. Also, that's poisoned milk, lady. Jesus. You poisoned it. You put the whole fucking bottle in there. (laughs) And sadly, Julie, who is dead, um, happily is still alive. (laughs) And has a wake and raring to go in Cheryl's drippy shrine. Mm -hmm. And so she, she looks around, she sees the desiccated body freaks the fuck out, turns and sees a jar with the pickled head of the, of the young fellow that, uh, 
that uh, has been preserved in here. Sort yeah, of photo preserved. dude's pickled head. Yeah, well, head, I guess the head was preserved. But yeah. anyways, the uh, so then we we cut back and the, the neighbor is uh, running like running you know through the woods trying to get home. Now of course there's a horrible thunderstorm. Oh, of course. And, it's just terrible thunder and lightning. Very, very frightening. <laughs> Galileo. <laughs> and then she hears, she hears a. <laughs> Cheryl's purring. Which is a callback to the, like, with her, the way she wakes up Billy, but we didn't know that this is also how she hunts prey in the bush. (laughs) Some sort of strange predatory sign that she has. That's so weird. Uh, So she hops out of the bushes and she's got this giant machete. She just completely machetes the lady right in the, right in the gut. Oh, gets her. Oh, it's great. And she... (laughs) She she murdered murder machetes that lady, and then she uh, she discovers that Julie is still alive and is trying to escape. So she stalks her. She's like chasing her down into another shed. <laughs> yeah, there's some random. I, I, I unless it's this is it the same shed and Julie just like got back to it or something. Yeah, did she leave the shed and then return to the shed, thinking she'd be safer in there? She she runs out of the shed, runs around in a thunderstorm, and then goes back into the shed for safety. (laughs) But it's okay, because Detective Detective Blanders shows up and is immediately hacked to to death. Yeah, it's a pretty good shot. He he like reaches up, you know, it's one of those uh uh just a light bulb on a string with a pull chain, so he reaches mm-hmm. up to turn that on. How he knew to come to this random shed and then like, "Hey, anyone in here? Let me turn on a light to see." And then gets his hand all hacked off. Yeah, it was pretty awesome actually. It was good. So that so Julie breaks for it and and Cheryl's chasing her through the woods, through the stormy woods. And they they somehow end up in some weird, like, marshy pond thing, which looks like possibly their sewer. (laughs) And they're, like, wrestling around, and and Cheryl gets on top of her and picks up this giant rock and bashes Julie's head in. So she finally, screaming slut the whole time she in, she finally kills Julie. And now Julie is dead. Julie is dead, and we won't see her again. Caves her head in with a rock. Yeah. Bashes her skull like four or five times with a giant rock. Yeah. I guess the first, so so the first time it was a meat tenderizer to the back of the head, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then this time it's a, it's just a, a river stone into the front of the cranium. <laughs> so crazy. Slut. So Billy, inside the house, Billy, uh, I don't know why he thinks this is a good idea, but he, call, he tries to call the police. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and then Mama Cheryl, uh, you know, interrupts him and says, get ready, kids. I'm your girlfriend now. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Pass the hand sanitizer. Oh, man. But it's okay, because he stabs her in the heart with a letter opener. Yeah. <laughs> One good chunk right in the heart. Oh, man. Yep. And then he calls Coach Landers. Yeah. 
Like you do. Because, yeah, hey coach, I just killed my mother, who, who is my aunt, but she's really my mother. And Coach Landers is like, what? What are you talking about? I just killed my mother. What? <laughs> I'll be right there. Yeah. <laughs> and then Cheryl, who is dead, is now alive. Pops right back up. Just pulls the letter opener out of her heart. Yep. <laughs> like, like, oh, here's a handy weapon. Oh, neat. <laughs> what? I, I clearly can't die, so I'll just take this out of my heart and start start filleting Billy with it. Yeah, apparently this letter opener is very sharp and not just slightly pointy. No, yeah, it's exactly. Yeah. So Billy... Billy makes good on one of our favorite movie weapons. He gets a hold of a fireplace poker and he impales her through the guts and leaves her to die in his lap where yeah. she actually dies. It's amazing. Yeah. In, in, in another good fireplace poker death, like in Black Christmas, where she dies across his lap, just like the horrible boyfriend. Yeah. It's exactly. great. Yeah. <laughs> Except she, this one's way worse. Yeah. Yeah, I was definitely definitely more emotionally distraught at this point. Yes, yeah. This movie is very hard to handle. <laughs> it's like, woo, okay, wow. Let's regroup here because we're yeah. not done. No, apparently not. <laughs> yeah, regroup because now Detective Carlson shows up and uh, Coach Landers is already there. He's tending to Billy and uh, then some cop some random beat cop shows up with Julie. <laughs> He's just like got a blanket wrapped around her. She's fine. Her head looks like a stewed tomato, but she's good. Yeah. Yeah. She's just, just like vaguely, vaguely traumatized a little bit out of it, but she is here to defend Billy's reputation and honor. Um, head fully intact, by the way, she's yeah. not even really bleeding. She's just, she just, She's fine. Yeah, nothing resembling a chunk. No cognitive issues. She's not. She's not like. Ah, I feel kind of sleepy. Maybe I'm concussed. Yep. Nothing like that. She's no. just good to go. No slurring. No confusion. No. no her 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 uh, eyeballs are not <laughs> popping out of her skull or anything. Just, she's quite the specimen. Yeah, that girl has a skull of titanium. <laughs> it's like two inches thick. <laughs> Uh, Detective Carlson doesn't believe Julie's story that Mother Cheryl killed the milk toast cop. Instead, he pistol whips Coach Landers uh, for some reason. Oh, after Julie and the other cop leave. Um, and then while pistol whipping Coach Landers, uh, he, Coach Landers knocks the gun out of his hand. Billy grabs the gun and shoots the entire fuck out of Detective Carlson. <laughs> The other cop then returns with Julie because they had just left for a second and then decided it was come time to come back. He sees he sees that the murder suspect, the, the guy that Detective Carlson suspected of being the murderer, um, he sees that this guy has killed Detective Carlson with his own gun, and he just is like, meh, whatever. He's like pointing his gun at Billy, and then he just kind of like he just he just has that moment where he's like Nah. Yeah, it's almost like everyone at that whole police department know that Detective Carlson was a huge piece of shit, and they're so glad that his reign of terror is over. It just hit him. He was like, hey, wait a minute. I don't have to work with that dickhead anymore. Oh, man, I've got to go tell the guys. <laughs> go tell that Mexican guy he can go home. <laughs> 
sleeps. So now he just leaves like dead bodies laying yeah, all over the place. Well, I guess this is wrapped up. Yeah. Well, this concussed girl that I obviously was intending to take somewhere. Yeah, she can stay. Hey, you guys are good, right? All yeah. right. Latronic. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. So, so the movie. I'm, I'm wrong. At this point, I, the movie should be over, but of course, it's not. No. Because we get an afterword scrolling across the screen. Billy Lynch stood trial for the slaying of Lieutenant Carlson. The proceedings lasted only four days, and the jury unanimously acquitted him on the grounds of temporary insanity. <laughs> Julie Linden and Billy are currently attending the University of Denver. What the fuck? Why? There's and if you make a sequel, it's gonna be that court case. Oh man, yes. It's a legal drama. <laughs> oh yeah. And Bo Svensson is back as his twin brother, who is an attorney. A terrible attorney. <laughs> Bro Carlson. Oh my god. Maybe they could get uh Susan Tyrell to come back and be like just some random judge and they just don't address the fact that she looks exactly like Cheryl. <laughs> I would totally watch that. I movie. would watch that movie. <laughs> <laughs> of course, then Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker 3, where it's just the two of them and they're at college, would probably not be great. It's just like a rom-com. They don't even really talk about the past. It's just the the trials and tribulations of young folk at college. (laughs) Yep, yep. They just never address it except for like one scene, but they never like spell it out. It's great. Like he he goes to a frat party and and you know he gets too drunk and makes out with some girl and Julie sees it and there's this whole all this fallout. It's really sad. But Mm -hmm. then they come they get back together in the end. Yeah, he has a he has like strikingly and tumultuous alcoholism because he can't stomach to drink milk anymore. Yeah, and there's a scene where they're on the roof of of the auditorium or the gymnasium, and they they get into an argument, and he accidentally pushes her, and she falls headfirst to the ground <laughs> and gets up, and she's fine. She's fine. <laughs> he and they continue the argument with him on the roof and her on the floor. Yeah. One time, Bill Paxton is there. He is, of course, Billy's rival on the fencing team. And one time, he accidentally backs up his car over Julie's head while she was laying down on the lawn, and she's she's fine. <laughs> Everything's great. Yeah. And then at the end of the movie, she walks in on Billy having a giant homosexual orgy. Oh, yes. <laughs> All coaches. <laughs> All the coaches. All coaches from all sports. (laughs) Movie over. (laughs) Oh my god. Ten out of ten loathsome things. (laughs) So stupid. Oh my god. Wow. What an amazing trilogy. Our screenwriting services are for sale, folks. Yes. <laughs> oh man. Um, so, John, what what did you what do you what do you what do you think of this movie? I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> it's. Uh, I mean, yeah. It's it's the you know like you like you had said earlier. I mean, 
you know, as we had said, they use the the F word a lot. Uh, it's thrown around quite a bit. It's it's you know one of the main characters is extremely and uncomfortably homophobic. But at the same time, the 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 idea of the movie isn't that he's a good guy. He's he's a horrible person that nobody likes. And you know the most likable character and probably in the whole movie is Coach Landers. Yeah, oh yeah, who, Coach Landers who actually is, awesome. is gay. Yeah. you know, as far as we know, and seems like a perfectly reasonable person. Um, so it's like got this weird kind of wokeness to it that you know, while it, it reminds me of when, like when we were talking about audition and you were asking me, you know, do I did I think of it as a feminist movie and. You know, like I, I listened back to that episode because I was like, what stupid explanation did I give for why I didn't think it was a feminist movie? Because it, it really does feel like a feminist movie to me. <laughs> but it's, it's like feminism by way of, of showing you the ugly reality of the way people actually are. I mean, mm -hmm. obviously, it's through the scope of a campy you know, early eighties movie, which it's very much firmly in that world. Um, but at the same time there, horror is one of the great things about horror and genre films is that they can address these kinds of issues without making the whole movie about that issue, even though the whole movie is about that issue. Yes. <laughs> you know, it can be about this crazy woman who uh, is, is psychopathic and has, somehow you know she has some sort of weird obsession with men and blah 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 and that that's all true but really really the movie is a commentary on you know how people can't uh, accept the fact that homosexuality is something normal mm -hmm. that they have to turn it into something terrible and cause all these problems that wouldn't have existed otherwise just based on their fear of these people yeah which is you know pretty pretty oddly progressive for a film this uh retrograde <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i mean i i i've i've read that this is one of if not the first movie to portray a homosexual character as like a a heroic person or at least you know like full blown just good at stuff yeah, I mean, he's a perfectly decent person. He, you know, we joke around about how long he spent in the coach's office, but that's because Julie is, is you know, sensitive to, you know, she she doesn't want him to be away from her or whatever. That's basically all that was. Yeah. You, know, you know, like you can you can read into it in the way the movie plays out that there's some implication, but that, that's not really implied at all. He's just, he's just a nice guy who is, you know, being helpful as far as we know. Yeah. Yeah, I'm worried that it may be part of that was to make us question whether or not Billy was gay. Yeah, because because there was that. And I don't know the, the fact that they like make sure to confirm that Billy is, in fact, straight was was strange. And it was just a weird setup. Also, it could have just been like maybe maybe that like specific detail was just a little bit of like incompetence on movie making. It could be because, I mean, otherwise you're starting to kind of get into like, uh, <clears throat> I was going to say gender fluidity, but not gender fluidity, but like preference mm -hmm. fluidity. Like he's he's not just, now now he's what, he's bisexual they're implying, you know? Like that's that's way too advanced for a 1981 movie. Absolutely, yeah. That's just not something that would have come up. You know, it just, it just, it wouldn't have even been relevant at that time. 
just because people are so backwards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, the, that aspect of this movie is really good. I, one of the things that I really liked about it was the double horrible villains, like just <laughs> two completely unique villains and Billy is just stuck between them. That was fantastic. I will say one of my big problems with this movie is uh, uh, like just offhanded um like the treatment of rape allegation in this movie is is real bad yeah it's just this kind of throwaway excuse that she takes advantage of yeah yeah and and like the, yeah the fact that she she's making a false rape allegation because she's a a crazy murder person but uh but then on top of that well maybe i don't know maybe it maybe it is I don't know. Ooh, it's complex. I don't have good uh, thought out sound reasoning on any of this, but it, it scared me in a more sociological way than like regular terror. It's hard. It's, it's hard to try to make sense out of some, some things in these movies when you're doing it through the prism of, of all this time, because it's easy to just kind of assume that maybe, well, I mean, okay, it would make sense for her to, use that excuse. I mean, nothing is beyond her, you know, you know, like if she's trying to protect herself or whatever, she'll make up any excuse she thinks will work. And that's, that's a pretty good excuse. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, <clears throat> so then, so then when we look at it now through the prism of like 2022, we're, we're like, you know, okay, but you're, when you're making a movie and you bring in a, a rape accusation and that's not something that you, you use lightly, you know, that's something serious, but then, okay. In 1981, I don't know how seriously they took that. That's true. Obviously, the, I, and I mean, like part of part of what they're portraying here is the fact that the police didn't take it seriously. Yeah. So, so even with that, you know, it, like I'm glad you brought up audition because, like, thinking about it related to that. Um, yeah. That's interesting. Like uh, uh, whether or not something is just because of, of it, the extremity of its portrayal. It's really complex. It's interesting. Um, send us your college essays on the top. Yeah, I want yeah. to read about uh, people that know more about this and have done research about this and like their thoughts. Like it's it's really interesting, and I am I am not prepared to make really good strong arguments on it for one way or the other. I mean, I could pontificate it on on it all day, but I'm certainly not an authority on any of it. I uh, I'm, I'm a cisgendered male who is going to bring that perspective as much as I may try to be you know, open-minded and stuff, that's who I am. And I don't, I'm not going to forget that when I'm analyzing something like this. Um, I guess ultimately the, at the, the heart of this movie is that it's a movie about gender power, like gender politics. It's, you know, this is a woman who feels powerless uh, at, you know, as her role of, as a caregiver or as a partner or a companion. It's like, it's kind of crazy when you think about it like that. It just yeah. plays right back into all the, all the power, you know, imbalances that are so much a part of Western culture. And it, it's, it's, that's really the heart of this movie, which is probably why we still feel so uncomfortable watching it today. Ooh, it is squirmy. Oof. It is. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it is legitimately squirmy, but it's, it's also a good movie. It's not bad. Yeah. And also on that <laughs> note, like, uh, think, uh, think about, um, the character of Julie, who is just like, you know, okay. Yeah not great photography skills but <laughs> she's also like 
being intimidated by this enormous, disgusting police detective, and she is just not backing down or giving in. She's not, not you know, like, she's not being portrayed the way that, that characters like her are normally portrayed in movies. And even, even, like, at the end of the movie, she's doing, like, heroic shit saving Billy, who you would think would be the one doing all the saving stuff, but she's, like you know, running around getting yeah. her, her head obliterated over <laughs> and over again and just not dying because she's such a fucking badass. Which is a great a great way of flipping that power structure around. And one of the things that makes movies so cool is that you could you could put something in a movie like a horror film that seems like a throwaway film, but that's a that's a message that you know that, that could be one of the very first films that ever showed something like that for all I know. I mean it yeah. was was not very common in 1981. You, you see it more now, but it's still not, you know, it's it's still something people talk about when it happens. It's like, oh, well, this movie does this. That's interesting. It is. Yeah, this movie is interesting. It is It is a, a cool little little nugget of originality. Um, you talked about, you, you talked about the similarities with uh, um, Friday the 13th, and I hadn't, picked up on that before you said it but thinking about it now like the original friday the 13th where it turns out uh spoiler alert it's the mom and not mm-hmm. in fact uh uh jason that that was another like moment in horror where there was that weird like gender flip and you've even got like the machete and all of this stuff and i I'm, I'm just thinking back on it and wondering how i don't i don't remember what year friday the 13th came out but i wonder how like co-inspired these are or if this was like something coming out of the same i hate being the person to say this word because it's disgusting but coming out of the same zeitgeist <laughs> right protege the original was uh 1980 okay so this came out a year later so it could have been trying to like build off of that a little bit but it's, it's, it's- possible i mean they, they were probably shooting it well let's see they would have been probably shooting it when this movie came out so it's possible that it was influenced by it yeah it's interesting. There's also, I mean, in the original, there's also a lot of weird um, guys wearing too short of shorts. And <laughs> yes, yes. But that's the 70s, man. That was just, that was just the way it was. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm old enough that, you know, when I used to go to PE class, if you got in trouble enough times, you got SWATs. I mean, talk about Ooh. problematic. Oof. Not okay. I, that happened to me many times where our gym coach hit me on the ass with a paddle. I mean, it's, it's just to to think of that now is like, what? Yeah. Like if, if my son, you know, well, my son's 18, so he'd probably kill the coach now. But if he, when he was a kid, if he had come home and said that, I would have been like, what the hell? Yeah. We are getting someone fired. (laughs) Yeah. Hell. I mean, he, he, one of, one of his teachers scratched his arm with her fingernails and we tried to get oh. her fired. Oh, that's not good. That's like how you get infections and shit. That's not okay. No, it was not okay. That that was an ugly incident. And that was just that. Imagine <laughs> she came over and said, um, my gym coach hit me on the ass with a paddle repeatedly today. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, that's normal. That's, yeah. What Times did you changed. say to him? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Time changes fast, apparently. This is 1981. Yeah. What is that? What is that? 40 years? 41 years? Yeah. Okay. Some 41. We got there. Some 41. <laughs> 
best band ever. Oh Wait. my god. <laughs> Thank you, Canada. <laughs> so, John, I've been meaning to ask you this question for a while, and uh, seeing the use of a meat tenderizer and uh, seeing the the, the uh, fireplace poker brought back into play, I wanted to ask you, what's a thing that you have never seen anyone killed with in a horror movie that you would really like to see them creatively killed with in a horror movie? Oh, man. I mean, yeah, I just think about like Friday the 13th had a lot of great creative kills. Yes. Because they just kind of had to because there were so many of them. Um, Gosh, I don't know. And I, I think about the movie Irreversible with the fire extinguisher. Oh, my God. That's one of the worst things I've ever seen ever oh. in any movie. You see there, that? There weren't horrible, horrible things in that movie, John. Oh, my God. I mean, it's a great movie, but Jesus Christ. Talk about traumatic. Wow. Yeah. Oh. And that wasn't even the worst of it. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> um, I, 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 yeah, it's hard to say because I just, it's, I'm trying to think of what I haven't seen somebody be killed. I mean, Christ, we saw somebody get cut in half with a murder sled. <laughs> <laughs> and you can't just come up with one of those. <laughs> no, that was that was built from the entire contents of a basement. <laughs> murder sled. That's got. We got to make a murder sled T-shirt, man. Yeah, yeah. I think that should be our, go on our T public guys and buy the murder sled. Oh, oh man! Any artists out there want to design the uh, murder sled T-shirt for us, please for free. <laughs> yep, for free. We'll give you a t-shirt. <laughs> we will put your name on it where it says, thank you, this guy, for making us a murder sled cartoon. We'll put your name on the sleeve for an extra $5. <laughs> per t-shirt. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, I, I don't know. I'm trying to think of what would be like a, a cool weapon. I can't. I can't think of anything because it just—I I just feel like anything I come up with, I'm going to remember some movie where it was used. Can you think of anything? So, so I, it's my fault. I sprung this upon you. I should not have. I'm sorry. But yeah, no, it's the, good. <laughs> the one that I've been wanting is I was thinking. Okay, the fireplace poker. Obviously, that's the weapon out of your fireplace kit. But what about the rest of the fireplace <laughs> kit? So what I really want to see is that the the tongs, you know, the ones where it's like it, it like accordions out where it's like multiple pieces. Yes. And I, I want a really interesting fireplace tongs where they like stick it all the way down the throat and then do the open thing. And yeah, <laughs> that's what I want. Oh, man, that would be pretty good. I want a really gory fireplace tongs 80s style horror movie kill. That's good stuff. Yes. <laughs> But there's a lot of good stuff. There's uh, oh, there's like some crazy movie where like the um, there's a, a a vinyl record that's possessed by demons and it uh, melts them through the speakers and shit. Nice, yeah, so good. Well, there was the movie with the killer tire that was pretty good. Oh, rubber, amazing, yeah. love it. Oh, man, there's the bed that eats. Oh, yes, deathbed. Oh, we, we need to review that at some point because that movie is amazing. We do. And you know you know what this movie made me think of? Carrie. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Talking yeah. about gender stuff. Maybe that, maybe that's the next the next trilogy we'll attack. <laughs> is there three of them? Isn't there? I know there's at least two. 
I know there's the original, and then there's like the rage Carrie too, but it's not well, Carrie. It's some other girl or something. Maybe I don't know. Well, yeah. The, okay, so there's the there's the '76 original mm-hmm. Sissy Spacek. There's the 2002 Carrie. Oh. And then there's the 2013 Carrie. Oh my God! I had no idea. <laughs> That's messed up. So the the 2002 is uh, oh Patricia Clarkson's in it. Uh, Angela Bettis plays Carrie. I don't even remember that movie. Is that the That's Rage Carrie too? I wait. Let me see. No, it's just called Carrie. What the fuck? It's just a remake. The Rage. I, maybe I have thing wrong in my head. Oh, and the then Rage they, okay. Carrie two's from 1999. Oh, okay, so that's a whole different movie. So there's the Rage Carry two, but then there's there's the 2002 Carry, and then there's the Chloe Grace Moretz 2013 Carry, Julianne Ooh. Moore, Judy Greer, Ooh. Portia Doubleday, uh, some other folks. Actually, that oddly enough, that movie is not that bad. It's I not, mean, it sounds know. pretty good. Based, yeah, on it's not the that bad. the The other one is not great, from what I remember. It's it kind of it kind of reminds me of the the Black Christmas movies because the first one is a is a complete classic, and then the second one is not real good, and the third <laughs> one's not actually that bad. Huh. Except I don't think they really changed the story up too much. Yeah. Okay. So kind of like Silence of the Lambs movies featuring Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Different name. Exactly same movie. Yes. <laughs> It's like the remake of Misery with James Caan and Roseanne Barr. (laughs) You got barred. Starring Bill Barr and Roseanne Barr. Oh, Oh, fantastic. John? Yes. (laughs) If you had to rate this movie on a scale of zero to five loathsome things. How would you do that? I think I'm going to give this movie a three and a half loathsome things. Oh, dang. Yeah. I, uh, uh, as I've said before, I think, I think a three, I like it a little bit more than a three, but not enough to say a four because a four is like a full step from masterpiece and it's not a masterpiece. And, uh, but uh, but it is better than just watchable. I mean, it's it's actually a pretty good movie. I enjoyed it, and I would recommend it to horror fans. Yeah, I uh, I I completely agree. It's it's not all the way there. I, I mean, it is it is no fault of the actors or the writers. I, I, but I do feel like um, there are times where it just wasn't adding up to its potential as far as like visually on the screen. True. Um, I, I ended up giving it a 3.8. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's what a 7.3. Yeah. Yeah. 7.3 out of 10, which is, it's still, it's still fucking fantastic. Yeah. Um, I think one of my favorite things about this movie is anytime like uh, 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 Cheryl moves out of the room. Uh, what, what's the actress's name? Um, oh, Susan Tyrell. Susan Tyrell. So anytime it's just Susan Tyrell and the camera, she just does fantastic face stuff. So like she'll go from the kitchen where there are people and then she's going to go into the den where there are other people. But for a minute, she's just in the living room and it's just her and the camera. Mm-hmm. And we get to like, see the whole thing change. Oh, it's 
magnificent. I, it's it's a shame that she didn't make more of a name for herself. I I recognized her face. It took me a little while, but when I went back and looked over her, you know, her credits, I there was nothing particularly that, that really stood out for me, which is a shame because I think she's she's pretty pretty unique talent. Yeah, she's she's definitely suited for this movie. She kind of reminded me of um, other women's faces from the time. Like I want to say like kind of Gabor-esque. Mm-hmm. With those uh, thin eyebrows. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But then, of course, then the wig goes away and she turns into an entirely different terrifying monster. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> She's so good in this. And uh, I, I looked up uh, the other things that she's done to see if there were anything, any other things that I was interested in. Uh, mostly it came up with, nah. Yeah, she was in Bad, the Andy Warhol movie, which is is good stuff. She was in Cry Baby, the the uh, Johnny Depp John Waters movie. She was friends with John Waters, so uh-huh. she you know she was she obviously was you know an outsider. I mean, yeah. she she was a different kind of lady, obviously, which is awesome, and that that definitely comes across on screen. But it's a shame that she never really got showcased. She gets showcased in this, but this is you know. I mean, I'm 53. It took me that long to find this movie. It's this is not like a cl- like a classic in the everyone knows it sense. Yeah, I don't think it. I don't think it made a humongous splash. No, and I mean, I, th- I guess that's probably fair. But she is great to watch in it. Yep. Yep. So, so if you made it this far and you aren't completely turned off to the <laughs> movie based on everything we said, <laughs> definitely watch it. It has great performances it is it is just super intense i think you said didn't you tell me this is like um the screenwriter based it off of oedipus rex oh i didn't read that but apparently was based off of a novel okay and apparently in the novel the characters have much deeper backstories and uh there's some things that are different they don't reveal the mother thing until the very end and uh there's uh, as opposed to the like kind of crappy postscript in this movie where they went to college and he was acquitted. Uh, <laughs> they, they, they actually resolve the characters in, in much more depth, apparently in the novel, but there, then again, who knows anything about the fucking novel? No one's read it. And the movie is kind of a classic. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> when did that start happening in movies where you had to have that stupid sprawl afterwards where it tells the the dumb shit in a fake movie like like at no point did this say like based on real events or even try to pretend that that was going on but then they had to like wrap it up with that what what is that why is that I don't that? know I don't know there was nothing in that movie that cried epilogue needed Yeah it's so weird like oh he went to college with Julie Great. Don't give a fuck. Who cares? They're still in college together in 2022 when you are watching this. (laughs) They're still in college. (laughs) They suck at learning. They're terrible learners. But to be fair, she's been hit in the head so many times and has never once even had a bruise. And then poor Jimmy's just never really been good at anything except basketball. And and there was that period there where his nipples ran for president. (laughs) <laughs> yep. <laughs> Jimmy McNipples. Yep, Jimmy McNipples. The joke that it took us a surprisingly long time to realize. Oh no, it took you. I would have still be saying Jimmy McDickpants or whatever. <laughs> 
Jimmy McAmazing nipples. <laughs> and you're like, oh, do you mean Jimmy McNipples? <laughs> like, oh, thank you, Josh. Yeah, it's right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So if you have thoughts on the things that we've said or would like to share your college essay with us or would like to lodge a complaint anything of those natures uh you can reach out to us on twitter and instagram at loathsome pod good luck spelling that i'm just kidding you know how to spell and <laughs> on facebook at loathsome things yes hmm. please send us recommendations we've had a couple and um we have already released one of them and yep. uh, you know i mean hey i'm not saying that we will do the other one but we might we may audition was a recommendation right Audition was a recommendation from my friend Ramon, and yes. it was a great one. Oh, it was good. Thank you again, Ramon. Yes, please send us recommendations. We don't have any of our own ideas. No, we're we're blank slates, basically. Yeah, yeah. Empty vessels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Empty vessels. Yeah. And uh, join us in two weeks where we review some other movie. We're not sure what yet. God, that was a Star Trek reference. Oh, I thought you didn't watch Star Trek, my dude. I I, I see them. I watch the movies, you know. (laughs) Did you see the one where where Scotty talks into the computer mouse as if it's a microphone? He goes, hello, computer. (laughs) Yes, I have. I think those are the same movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Wessel. Wessel. Yeah. Uh, what is this? Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker features no crossover actors with Star Trek. So we're fine, folks. Everything's <laughs> fine here. I also Carry didn't see on. a lot of feet, which, you know. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, <laughs> apparently, when you put the names of actresses in the credits for your podcast, you're going to get some impressions for people looking for that actress's feet. <laughs> Why I don't know why I was surprised because I shouldn't be, but I was. Susan Tyrell feet. <laughs> yep, yep, it's coming. Oh my god! All right, John, do you have anything to say to the nice people before they go back about their business? Well, uh, I hope you had a, a good New Year, and I hope the this year goes well for everybody. And stay tuned because we're gonna cover more ridiculous shit. Yeah, if you're thinking about doing anything bad in January, don't. Don't do it. Don't do it. It's not good. (laughs) Just watch some scary movies. Do that instead. It's way better. There's a lot of them. There are quite a few. Many of them for free. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.